0: Well, amen, church family. Again, so blessed to be here with you this morning. Great to see everybody here. And I've got this upside down. There we go. I want to say again, happy Resurrection Sunday to you. Uh, Today, as much as any other day on the Christian calendar, we have so much to be grateful for. Today, as we look back and we remember... Uh, It's also a day that we are reminded of the hope that we presently have in Jesus Christ in these uncertain days, in this uncertain future that we have. And over the next few weeks, as we continue in this series called Sunday's Coming, we're going to look at the abundant life that we can have here on earth through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we're going to wrap up the series in two weeks by looking at the promises that we have of heaven. But today, on Resurrection Day... I want to look at the empty tomb. I want us to look at the empty tomb today. You know, I read about a group of four-year-olds that were asked by their Sunday school teacher, does anybody know what today is? And one little girl raised her hand. She said, yeah, today is Palm Sunday. And the teacher said, that's great. Now, can anybody tell me what next week is? Same little girl raised her hand. And she said, yes, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And the teacher said, that's great. Now, can anybody tell me what makes what makes, uh, what makes next Sunday Easter? And same little girl raised her hand again, and she said, yeah, next Sunday is Easter because Jesus rose from the grave. And before the teacher could say anything, the little girl piped up again and said, but if he sees his shadow, he has to go back inside for six more weeks. <laughs> well, let me go on the record as saying that Jesus got up from the grave and he's not going back, amen? He rose again. He's seated at the right hand of the Father as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And today, we don't worship a body that is contained within a tomb or a shrine. Today, we worship the one that rose again. And today, we celebrate a living Savior. As I mentioned uh, Friday night, I have been to Jerusalem. I was there 11 years ago. And unless anything has changed, and I know it hasn't because I have a friend of mine who went just a few months ago. I have been to the garden tomb, I've walked inside the door, I've looked where the body lay, and he's not there anymore. He is not there anymore. But uh, just outside those old city walls of Jerusalem, you find that garden tomb. Normally there are 250,000 visitors every year that go to that site. But they're not going to that site to go in mourning. They're not going to to pay their respects to someone who has passed away. People don't go to the tomb to mourn. They go there by the thousands to rejoice because the tomb is empty. They don't go to weep. They go to worship. Pastor Tim Keller says this, and I love this quote. He says, Our Christian hope is that we are going to live with Christ in a new earth where there is not only no more death, but where life is what it was always meant to be. And as many of us know here today, life is difficult. Suffering is all around us. And there is so much in this world to be fearful of. But that isn't what life was meant to be. However, the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus are reminders to us That there is still more to this story. Our hope, as Tim Keller says, is that one day we will live with Christ on a new earth. No more tears, no more pain, no more weeping, no more sadness, no more death. God will make good on His promise. Jesus will complete what He started on the cross. And the church will live on through eternity. The empty tomb is full of hope for everyone who believes. Because you see, 2,000 years ago, the very first disciples of Christ thought all had been lost. They watched as their promised Messiah died a humiliating death on a Roman cross. Nailed there by a bloodthirsty mob of fellow Hebrews who screamed, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Even after Pilate had found no fault No guilt in Jesus that would deserve death. It was to save the least a gruesome and ghastly scene. Unimaginable in the minds of those who had given everything up to follow Jesus Christ as he traveled the countryside. Preaching and teaching and healing people. And 2,000 years later, it is truly difficult, maybe even impossible, for us to understand the depth of loss that the original disciples felt. It's against this backdrop that the story of Easter morning happens, and the first light of hope creeps back in. So, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, Luke chapter 24. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 24. And as you are finding your place there, if you are able, I would ask that you stand as we honor God in the reading of His Word. If you're not able to stand, there's no condemnation, don't worry about it, it's all fine. But I believe that uh, as we we come and as we read the Word of God together, we should give reverence to His Word. Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read the first 12 verses, they'll be up on the screen with us as well. Here we go. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking? For the living among the dead, asked the men. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day? And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all of these things to the eleven and all the rest. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. And Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And when he stooped to look in, he saw only linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. Father God... We thank you for your word this morning, and I ask that you would would hide me behind your cross today. Let every word that I speak come directly from the throne room of God, and let us hear your amazing story with new eyes, with fresh eyes and fresh ears this morning of your resurrection and the sacrifice that you made for us. And we praise you in all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. Now, take a moment, if you will, and a Imagine with me the astonishment of these women who went to the tomb that morning. The last thing they saw of Jesus was his lifeless body laying in the tomb. In fact, if you step back just a couple of verses and go to Luke chapter 23 at the very end, in verses 55 and 56, it says this. It says, The women who had come with him from Galilee followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. You see, after resting on the Sabbath, which is what we call a Saturday, in Jewish tradition, it must have been the saddest, most miserable day of rest that they'd ever observed. They returned to the tomb with spices and the ointment that they prepared for their lifeless Savior on Sunday morning. But to their surprise, Jesus wasn't there. Instead, they were met by two men in clothes like lightning who said in verses 5 and 6 again, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. Now we're all from Berkeley County, most of us, right? Let me translate that for you. He ain't around here no more. He's gone. He'd untold y'all a long time ago he was going to be gone, but y'all didn't listen. But when we look back at that scene in Galilee in Luke chapter 9, verses 21 and 22, this is what the Lord Jesus told them. But he strictly warned them and instructed them to tell this to no one, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, by the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised again on the third day. You see, Jesus had already told them everything that was going to happen. And yet it was only in looking back and remembering that they could begin to understand the significance of the empty tomb that was right in front of them. In retrospect, as they looked back, the truth of the resurrection became clear to them. And you see, Easter Sunday is our annual reminder. Jesus is indeed alive, alive and well. And as we return again and again and again, year after year, back to the empty tomb, we remember Christ rose on the third day just like He said He would. The empty tomb is full of hope for everyone who believes. And it is also in retrospect that the truth is made clear. So just like Peter on Easter morning, we go running back to the tomb to look at it fresh and the non-existent contents therein. It's empty. He's risen just like he said. And it's also that as we look back, we are reminded of the implications of the empty tomb. As the apostle Paul said so perfectly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 14 through 18 says this. He says and if Christ has not been raised then our proclamation is in vain and so is your faith. Moreover we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead are not raised for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. What Paul is trying to say here that, listen, the, the resurrection is the linchpin of the Christian faith. Because if Jesus could not defeat death, then how in the world could he defeat the death that we face through our sin? Because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And if Jesus Christ could not be resurrected from that tomb on that Easter morning, then our faith has no meaning. But here's the glorious truth, church family. He did. And it does. And I can look back at my life because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Took this old alcoholic took this man who had nothing to live for, was ready to die, and he's given me new life. New life. I'm not where I ought to be. But praise Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. It's no exaggeration that the resurrection of Christ, the evidence of the empty tomb, they are all, again, the linchpins of our faith. So with that in mind, If you wanted to debunk Christianity And completely dismantle the faith All you'd have to do Is prove That Jesus stayed dead That's all you'd have to do Just prove That Jesus stayed dead Come up with a body But for some reason Over the last 2,000 years Nobody Has found the body Of Jesus Christ. Because he's not here. Right now the Bible tells us. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. In heaven. And intercedes for us. Do you know what that means? He prays for us. He prays for us. You see. When we receive Christ. When we have surrendered our lives to him. God no longer looks down from heaven. And looks. He does not see Tony. He does not see Butch and Lisa. He does not see Miss Debbie. He does not see Bill. He does not see Hal. You know what he sees? He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees his son. And because of that fact, Jesus is sitting right beside his father. And as we pray, and as we petition God for the things that go on in our lives and the things that we see and the things that we hold up, Jesus is sitting right beside God. Say, do you see him? He's one of mine. He's got the blood. This is what he's saying. This is what he's asking. This morning, I want to take just a few moments, as I said before, and I want to draw your attention to three different groups of people that were around the tomb that morning. First of all, I want you to see the ones that were grieved by his death. There were many that were devastated by the crucifixion and death of the Lord Jesus. There were many with broken hearts on that Friday. And you can only begin to understand the despair that filled those who had walked with the Lord, followed Him, knew Him, loved Him. And the cries of so many people could be heard that Easter morning throughout Jerusalem. There's a man named Herbert Schmaltz who in 1906... He painted a picture called The Return from Calvary. And I have it up here. Now, if y'all don't mind throwing that up there. Thank you. Um, It shows Mary Magdalene, another woman, returning home uh, after the crucifixion. And in the distance, back here on this side, you can see Golgotha, the hill, with the crosses sitting on top. Despondency is written all over Mary's face. Yet I believe... what was depicted by the artist in Mary Magdalene's face could have been found on the faces of every one of his followers that morning. It was a black Friday. I think of the disciples. I think of the great sense of loss that they felt. They must have felt completely alone in the world. Confused. Uncertain. The one whom they had pinned their hopes on had been laid to rest. In a garden tomb. One who had made the deaf to hear, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the dead to rise, had been snuffed out by the combined power of the religious leaders and the Roman might. And he lay dead in the tomb. Can you imagine how crushed their hearts must have been? Can you imagine how futile everything must have seemed to them on that Friday? Oh, but disciples, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. I think not only of the disciples, but the women that were around that cross. There was not only Mary Magdalene, the one whom Jesus had cast out seven demons and had saved from a life of prostitution. There was also Mary, the mother of Jesus. And as she stood at the foot of the cross and watched Jesus hang in agony, Maybe she thought back to the night when she gave birth to her firstborn. Maybe memories of his childhood flashed through her mind. Can you imagine what she would have felt as she stood there looking upon the bloody and mangled body of her son? Mary, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. There were the other faithful women who were there who had followed Jesus. They had watched their master die in excruciating crucifixion. And in love, these women had sought to properly prepare the body for burial. But they were denied that opportunity. I can imagine the pain in their heart as they made their way back to their homes on that Friday evening. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. This is a theme y'all are going to catch on in just a minute, I promise. I want you to look at the second group of people who were there that morning. The ones who were glad for his death. The ones who were glad for his death. Not everyone was sad that Jesus had died. There were several groups that were happy. While some were mourning, there were those who were celebrating the death of Jesus Christ. I think of those chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They had been trying to trip him up. They had been lying in waiting, just looking for the right opportunity to get rid of Jesus Christ. You see, He had been a thorn in their side for quite a long time. And the faster they could get rid of Him, the better off they'd be, the the faster things would go back to normal. Their way of life. Their normal. Then the opportunity came. One of Jesus' own followers, Judas Iscariot, came to the chief priest and said, what will you give me? And I'll deliver him to you. And That was the opportunity they'd been waiting for. An agreement was reached for 30 pieces of silver. Things kicked into high gear from that point. He was betrayed by Judas in the garden, arrested by the religious leaders. He was taken to the high priest's palace. He was run through an illegal trial that happened in the middle of the night, condemned on the testimony of false witnesses. They cried for his death, they spit in his face. Some hit him with their fists, while others slapped him with the palms of their hands and they mocked him, saying, Hey, you're Jesus, you're the Christ. Prophesied, Who hit you? They made fun of our Savior. And finally, Pilate issued the death sentence. And like a celebrating courtroom after the verdict is given, I can imagine the religious leaders began shaking each other's hands, slapping each other on the back and celebrating the verdict. <coughs> he was now going to be out of their hair forever. Both the religious leaders of Israel and the political leaders of Rome could now breathe a sigh of relief. But fellas, you can gloat all you want to, but it's Friday and Sunday's coming. You can celebrate your perceived victory all you want, but it's Friday and Sunday's coming. Pilate, you can wash your hands as a gesture To declare your innocence, but it's Friday and Sunday's coming. To the soldiers that scourged him, that beat him, that nailed him to a cross, you can celebrate your evil, but it's Friday and Sunday's coming. I want to draw your attention to one more. Not only the ones grieving over his death and the ones glad for his death, but the one That was gloating over his death. We don't hear him speak. We don't see him present in everything that happened. But you can be sure that Satan was behind everything that was going on. He was the energy behind the mob shouting to crucify him. He was the one who stirred up the religious crowd and planted the thoughts to have him removed. He was the one who filled Judas' mind with thoughts of betrayal. He was the one that whispered the lies in the ears of the false witnesses. And although we don't see him, we don't hear him, you can be certain that he was celebrating his victory as well. From the time that it was announced that Jesus was to be born of a virgin, he began a campaign to have him exterminated. He was behind the death of all of the innocent firstborns that were slaughtered by Herod. It was Satan that had whispered in the, ears, in the ears of Herod, you have to get rid of that child who was born to be king of the Jews. In the wilderness, he did everything himself, everything in his power to get the Lord Jesus Christ to discredit and to disqualify himself. He even offered him all the kingdoms of the world if he would just bow down and worship at Satan's feet. And on another occasion, he riled up a crowd in the synagogue and they took him to carry him out to the top of a hill with the intention of throwing Jesus off a cliff. But instead, Jesus just walked right through the midst of them. Just walked free. Like a lion waiting for an opportunity to attack and devour its prey, Satan waited patiently for the right moment and the perfect opportunity. And when the angry mob was standing there shouting, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! You could have heard His devilish laugh and His sinister uh, laugh in the background. And when Jesus breathed His last and His head slumped on His breathless chest, how all of the demons must have broken out in celebration and jubilation on that day. The kingdom of darkness must have reverberated with the cheers of victory and the cries of, we've won, we've won, Jesus is dead. And all at the same time, Satan gloating over everything that had occurred. But guess what, demons? It's Friday and Sunday's coming. Satan, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. So as I get ready to close this morning... This message. I'm going to ask Jacob to go ahead and come down and start playing. I should have planned that a little bit earlier, but don't worry, it's all going to work out. I want to say to everybody that's here this morning, that's struggling, that's grieving, you've got circumstances going on in your life today that you don't know how you're going to get out of it. There is hope in the empty tomb there is hope on resurrection day because in your darkest moments realize that it's friday but sunday is coming i never get tired of listening to this easter med- meditation we we played a beautiful video of it on friday night and I am probably going to do a terrible job at this, but I love this. I, I have it, I, I have it in, a, in, a, in a file on my desktop, on my computer. And whenever I start feeling defeated and down, overwhelmed, I open it up and I just start reading it to myself. The pastor's name was S.M. Lockridge. He pastored Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California for 40 years, from 1953 until 1993. I love this Easter meditation. So, if y'all will allow me, I want to close with this today. And then I want to ask you a very, very important question at the end. You see, it's Friday and Jesus is praying and Peter's sleeping and Judas is betraying But Sunday's coming it's Friday and Pilate is struggling the council is conspiring the crowd is vilifying and they don't even know that Sunday's coming it's Friday and the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd and Mary is crying and Peter is denying but they don't know that Sunday is coming. It's Friday, and the Romans beat my Jesus, and they robe him in scarlet, and they crown him with thorns, but they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood is dripping, his body is stumbling, and his spirit is burdened. But you don't see that it's only Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world is winning. People are sinning. And evil is grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nail my Savior's hands to the cross. They nail my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raise Him up next to criminals. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king? And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved, but they don't know that it's only Friday and Sunday is coming. It's Friday. And he's hanging on that cross. He's feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can anybody save him? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming and it's Friday the earth trembles the sky grows dark and my king yields his spirit it's Friday and hope is lost and death is won and sin is conquered and Satan is laughing it's Friday and Jesus is buried soldier stands guard And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It's only Friday. And Sunday is coming. So here's the question that I have for you today, church family. What Friday are you facing right now in your life? A wise man once told me there's three kinds of people in this world. People who are in a crisis, people who just came out of a crisis, and people who are about to go into a crisis. What is your Friday you're dealing with today? What is that thing that is holding you back? What is that thing in your life that you just can't seem to get over? That you're staring at a mountain that you feel is impossible to be moved, that you just can't seem to get around. And I'm telling you, it could be anything. Is it financial? Is it a relationship? Is it something in your life that holds you back from what you know God could let you be? Church family, I want to open this altar today and I want to ask you if you are a Christian if you have trusted Jesus Christ if you've surrendered your life to Him but there are things in your life right now that you just can't get over can I tell you God is willing to help you we get this idea sometimes church family that, that God's in all of the good stuff but we've got to struggle on our own through the bad stuff we've got to try to make it on our own but I'm telling you that is not the case God is the God of the mountains and the valleys. And no matter what you are walking through today, if you turn and you trust in Him and you give it over to Him, your Sunday is coming. But here's the thing about the peace that we can have in Christ Jesus. It does not come automatically. You see, because we have a problem with sin. And I can prove it to you. You say, oh, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. How many of you have little kids who have ever gotten in trouble? Right, two, three, four years old, something like that. They got in trouble. And you ask them, what did you just do? And they look at you and do what? Nothing. Nothing. Moms, dads, let me ask you a question. Did you teach that little child to lie like that? Did you pull them aside one day and say, Hey, Billy, let me tell you, you're going to get in trouble one day. And when you do, here's what you do you lie your little face off. I don't think there's a parent within the sound of my voice that would ever sit down and have that conversation with their child. And if you did, the altar is open. Come on down. I want to have a conversation with you. But listen to me. We have an internal sin nature. We are always looking out for ourselves. We, we, we don't have as much of a... I, I, I have an issue with Jesus problem as we do. I'm not ready to let go of things for myself problem. But can I tell you this morning that that is exactly what sin is? And that is exactly what Jesus came and died for. He came and died for our ways of thinking that we can get to heaven on our own, of our ways of thinking that we can handle our life on our own. Let me tell you, when I tell you that I was an alcoholic, that I was ready to die, I was moments away from death moments. And I can tell you right now, if it weren't for me crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ to show me something in my life, I would not be standing in front of you today. I would not have this amazing blessing of being able to fellowship with these wonderful people here at Calvary Baptist Church. I would not have the blessing of my wonderful wife and wonderful children and all of the things that he's given me. I would be gone. I would be in a tomb. I would be in a grave somewhere and the only thing that anybody would ever remember of me is the headstone. But it's because of the saving power of Jesus, because I surrendered my life to him that he has given me so much. And if you think you got it good now, can I tell you, you ain't got a hope of figuring out what he's got for you. Because I'm telling you, it is greater than anything you can ever imagine. Can I, can I just tell you? You, you want to know what a blessing is? You want to know what a blessing is? I'm looking at a blessing right there. That little baby sitting in grandmama's lap right there, just rocking back and forth. Can I tell you? It's small things in life that are such a blessing that the Lord Jesus gives us. I wasn't going to have that. Do you hear me? And yet I've sat in that same position and rocked my own three children. And I'm hoping that one day they wise up and give me some grandchildren. But listen to me, church family. You may think you have it good. You may think I'm doing just fine on my own. But I'm telling you right now. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Because you see, He gives. us... He gives us a promise of heaven not just here on earth not just those blessings that we get but eternal life in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well Tony what's the alternative? Eternity separated from God separated completely from God in a place that was never meant for you in a place that was created for Satan and all of the angels who walked away from God and said, I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. They walked away from God. They became Satan and the demons. And that is what hell is reserved for. But the problem is, is that our sin turns us away. Our sin turns us away away from God just like Satan and the demons did so church family I want to tell you hey they'll catch him in a minute right here no worries listen to me the most important choice that you will ever make is to trust Jesus Christ with your life surrender to him That does not mean that all of the Fridays in your life are going to go away. Because they don't. But I'm here to tell you that in every one of those Fridays that you go through, you can have hope that Sunday's coming. Sunday is coming. We have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pray this morning. And I'm going to ask that if you you wish to take the opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, believe that he died on the cross for your sins and believe that God raised him from the dead on the third day. If you want to trust that this morning, if you want to believe that this morning, I'm going to be right down here as we pray. And you can just come. You can pray at the altar. You can come and pray with me. I'll be right here with you.